What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast Episode 4, Warcry Curious. Just a reminder, uh, this is a podcast that dives deep into the minds of four busy gamers, their annual trip to Nova, the games that we love, and balancing our lives with those games. Uh, so with that, let's uh, get into the introductions. I'm Jared. I'm Danny. I'm Trace. And I'm Jason. Yeah, you are. <laughs> You're like the Jasonest Jason I know. I am the biggest Jason there is, literally. Who gave Jason Actually, an eight ball before we recorded? I know, right? <laughs> I don't know, but they, they, we should probably just make that a weekly occurrence. <laughs> um, so... If you are just now starting with us and you want to know more about who we are and kind of how we game, um, I'd like to encourage you to go back and listen to at least episode zero. Um, It's not very topical, but it does kind of give you a little insight into our minds, um, a little bit of biography about us. So uh, go back and listen to that. Um, And and in this show, we're going to spend a little bit of time with myself and Trace talking about our road to Nova plans, um, what we're looking forward to regarding the Age of Sigmar doubles and kind of our army plans there. Uh, We'll spend a a little bit of time discussing the Adepticon uh, Games Workshop Studio preview and some of the announcements there, Uh, and then we'll close out the show. Um, So before we get started on the meet, what's everybody been working on lately? Uh, well, I've been slowly working on my uh, Minas Tirith army. I've uh, got most of the pieces together now, waiting on a couple more. But I've got my heroes, and I've got my my warriors, and my my sweet sweet Avenger bolt throwers, and uh, I've got them all based and primed. And yes, I said it; they're primed, but it's because wait, they're all wait, black. Wait, wait, so. wait! What? Wait, say that it's, again. It's just because they're mostly black, so it's quicker to paint them black with a spray paint than to paint any other way. Um, oh, so they're not primed, they're, they're base coated. Sure, with primer. but okay. <laughs> um, And then I've got probably about half of them blocked in right now. Uh, so coming along nicely, hoping to, to kind of get my first couple games in here in the next couple weeks. Probably actually, I take that back, probably won't be until May because I have personal commitments coming up that are kind of a big deal. And uh, But until then, just kind of chipping away at, at that bad boy. So, uh, all joking aside, do you find it the paint actually holds differently with the primer? Uh, yes and no. Uh, it holds differently. I wouldn't necessarily say it's better, but it holds differently. Okay. Gosh, you're so egalitarian, Danny. You would say differently. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and die on this hill because, like, there are definite advantages to it without a doubt. But, like, uh, I'm, I think it applies more evenly but not necessarily uh like any quicker or better okay that's fair interesting um i've been working on some um working on some black legion stuff been just trying different paint schemes um kind of decided over the weekend that i would be uh using that army as kind of like not display level army but just to try and push use that as a way to push my paint skills for the for the year um so i've got one miniature that i put out on the facebook page i was kind of on a more traditional paint scheme 
um, using regular metallics. And then um, I've been working on one kind of behind the scenes over the past day that's um, using actual non-metallic metals. Um, it takes a little longer to do, but um, I'm really liking the way that the effect is coming across. Um, so going to try and use that as my project for the <clears throat> for the coming for the coming year to just make that kind of a display quality army kind of like what Danny's been doing with his um, ultramarines so that way when we fight each other people are like well look how pretty and then, and then and, I can just pack them up <laughs> yeah when my son graduates from college <laughs> um, or you can Danny forget went. to pack them Danny that has never happened erroneous <laughs> redacted um <laughs> so i packed them i just didn't bring that case so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i oh, yeah. win so, that trial uh, erroneous in fact yes yep. more more importantly trace you have an amazing conversion you want to talk about that i love that conversion oh thanks um so one of the things we've talked about potentially doing uh within the next few months is to try and get a 40k narrative campaign going for the four of us nothing big scale just so we can easily manage it and kind of come up with some cool stories and stuff in in between games um but one of the things that i wanted to do was um kind of build upon the black legion lore and use one of the uh the lieutenants that don't really have a model and from from um Abaddon's like close council ret- uh, retinue. They're called the Ezekarian. Um, and uh, his name is Telemachon Lyris, and he is a follower of Slanesh and a um, um, highly touted uh, duelist. Um, and so I'm trying to like we've talked about potentially using some of the special character rules from chapter approved for this campaign. And so I've kind of been diving into those and I just really wanted to, to make a model that I thought really represented him. And so I used the, the Harkin world claimer model as a base for that, because in the book it talks about him having a jump pack. Um, and he uses two like power swords basically. And so what I've done is I've made a conversion where I've taken two, like raptor arms and replaced the the swords with power swords but i used like the most ornate swords that i had um which ended up having which ended up coming from the um um uh Kyric acolytes box so they're like really curved and really ornate um and then i used one of the stormcast helmets and kind of made it more elaborate because in the books he has a death mask and his death mask is actually um, spoiler alert, turn this off for three seconds, um, is actually, his death mass is actually created from the shards of Sanguinius's sword. So, um, I just thought that was a really cool element. And so it was just a really flavorful way for me to try and get myself into the narrative part of the game. Um, and it, it turned out really well and I'm glad Jason really likes it. I'm, I can't wait to get it painted. Um, so that's on the docket too. Yep. Anybody yeah, with be, two swords is good. Yeah, I'll be excited to see it too. The he, I mean, Aaron Dembski Bowden in the those two books, Talon of Horus and Black Legion. I mean, the way that he fleshes out characters is is solid. So it's it's really cool to see you know you latching on 
to Telemac on and, and, you know, converting a model up for him. And I'm also excited to see kind of how that plays out with the, the campaign, however that gets set up. Um, and since I jumped in, um, I have not worked on a lot lately. I, I feel like um, life is, is getting a little crazy. Um, we're on the house hunt, which takes up a lot of free time. It's not time consuming at all. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. Um, but I have managed to get, so I got mine. So I ordered, I think the last time we talked, I had ordered the Knight Zephyros and the Liberator. So I've got five Liberators built and the Knight Zephyros built. Um, but that's as far as I've gotten. And I need to take advantage of the good weather uh, probably in the next couple of days um, before it starts raining for 40 days and 40 nights again um, to get those primed up. And, uh, or and it gets I, too hot. Yeah, or it gets too hot. Yeah, there's this beautiful small window in in April, I think, here in the South where it's okay to prime, and then it just disappears until like October. Um, but if you're Danny, that doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> it does now. There's also you can also do it in the morning. That's true. Yeah. If not you don't have to be a, not trying to be a jerk, but you can do not, it in the morning, which helps. Well, if you don't have small children to wrangle. True. <laughs> I don't know Smash down, <laughs> crushed you. <laughs> well, good. Wow. And you know, my hobby progress has been uh, a little bit more reading. So I, you know, I read, finished reading Vigilist, um, started on Vigilist Ablaze, uh, went back and read two copies of White Dwarf over the last week. Um, one of which had a little nugget for Crimson Fist, and I didn't realize this. I I must have skimmed over it the first time um, but it's basically the last paragraph in the white dwarf that um, good old g-man gives pedro cantor kind of a mission that sets is going to set and play out i think really really well over the next five ten years as gw expands 40k but he's given them the mission of rebuilding the loki sector sector uh and making it like kind of the fallback, like if everything goes to pot, the one safe haven in the Imperium will be set up by the Crimson Fist. And the reason it's cool to me is one, you know, we're tasked with something like, oh, yay, like my chapter is, is going to have kind of this cool role. Um, and like it's a, a nod to the Imperial Fist, which was our founding chapter that basically we're sent back to Terra to make it, you know, a huge uh, siege planet. Um, and protect the emperor. So it's kind of cool that it's the same thing, but happening in a different way. And I think that a few years down the line, when the story advances again, it'll be the crimson fists that are there to aid the Imperium and help it carry on when the, everything is bleak and dying around it. So, um, and then I also, uh, have been assembling my shadow spear box. So I've got almost all the Marines put together I'm still waiting to put together those silly flying bases because those will legitimately take me a week as I have to glue them and then have them sit in my wonderful contraption handle with the bendy arms to hold that glue till it sets. It's the worst flying base ever. I hate it. Um, and then working through some lists uh, to get ready for Nova because I will be taking my whole... Crimson Fist collection with me, so I have to have multiple lists ready to go for that wonderful narrative that I will take place in. Um, but that's my hobby progress, and with that, we did get a game in last week, but it was of a different system. 
that we haven't gone into. It's Danny's favorite system. What was that? Little little thing we like to call the uh, Fortress of Blackstone. <laughs> the Blackstone Fortress. Yeah, we played a great game of Blackstone Fortress that was phenomenal. Uh, although at the end we had to rush a bit because the store was closing. But yeah. uh, we played the Death Maze, which is supposed to be, I think, the first uh, stronghold that you play. But uh, it was the last one for our heroes. So we had, uh, I was playing Pius Born, as always. Trace was playing Locarno, Mr. Espern Locarno, uh, yet again. Uh, Jared is Dyak Grek. Mr. I am Groot. There it is. <laughs> and Jason got to play as Big Daddy Taddy, Taddyus the Purifier. And um, man, uh, it was our first brush up against the uh, the big bad chaos space marine himself. Uh, Jason, why don't you tell us how that went? Uh, it went like this. Big Daddy Teddy uh, said, you die and you die now. And I actually did something for the first time in the campaign. Um, you know, definitely uh, Teddy can put out some, some bullets uh, downrange. But there was a more, even though I took out, you know, the, the big guy and I, I reaped the benefits of killing him. There was a little bit of gamemanship, but at the same time, we leveraged our war band and Trace's character is the true hero of <laughs> this adventure. Trace, can, can you explain how we, uh, how we may have gamed the system a little bit? So one of the, um, make sure I'm not on mute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of the, um, one of the things that, Esper and Lorcano can do is first off, if you get this one clue card, he just is automatically inspired for the rest of the game. Like you keep that thing, it starts inspired, you get to keep it. So it gives him opportunities to do some really cool stuff. And one of the things that we've kind of started to use more in our favor as we got more used to the way that the game played was he has an ability that allows him to move any fighter like move any enemy into any hex for a five like you spend an activation of a five or more so you can take an act you can take an enemy fighter and push it into like one of danny's flame traps or one of jared's mines or something like that just ways that you can manipulate the board to be more in your favor well we didn't really think that there was any poor sportsmanship in doing this because (laughs) of the way that the scenario read but we basically I mind compelled Obsidious Malix to walk into the trigger chamber for for the for the um, for the event. Instead of one of us triggering it, we used him as one of the ways to trigger it because it just says any any fighter that's in this. Well, it says uh, any hero, but we house ruled it. Well, we kind of house ruled it because we felt like it was going to be really really gamey otherwise. And so we basically made that be the trigger for the rest of the things, and then every all the other activations kind of happened after that that are supposed to happen in this scenario. But we pulled him into the chamber. The chamber turns around, and then blammo from <laughs> from Thaddeus. <laughs> well, so, after a major whiff yeah. by yours truly. Yeah. yeah. So so we did have, and we've been very fortunate in this campaign to you know like Trace's character being always inspired. Uh, and then Danny, you had some sort of like contract or something. If you rolled over 
someone's wound on a d20, they're instantly dead. So we set this up to for Danny to take it, right? Isn't am I explaining yes, this correctly? That's yeah. Right. yeah. And and you you didn't do that, did you? No. Yes, I had a, <laughs> had a prayer. I was going to pray to the God Emperor, and he failed me. Uh, and so I died. No, I didn't die, but. Nothing happened to Obsidious Malix whatsoever, and I was just standing there completely awestruck. I was so upset. Nothing worked that entire game. But it was really awesome and cinematic in the end because in the lore, uh, Tadius and Pius Vorn have a special relationship where he's kind of taken Pius under his wing, and uh, you're kind of my protector in a lot of ways. And so I stood there praying hoping that the God Emperor would come and strike Obsidious Malix down. Instead, he just came straight at me, and you kind of stepped in as my shield and blasted him into oblivion, and it was awesome. I mean, it is what I do. And, uh... <laughs> it's also, I think, really cool because in the early couple games, uh, and I think, to me, this game really, this particular campaign chapter for us really proved to me how great this game is because in the first few campaign chapters, Jared and I were head and shoulders like the output machines and then in this one jared and i did pretty much nothing throughout most of the game yeah. and you guys carried us uh and so it was really cool that like these two support characters did their job you know and, and i thought yeah. that was really awesome was yeah fun. i really feel like we've kind of come into our own the two characters that jason and i have played because they just need a little bit of help so like we ended up giving one of the relics to to me that gave me a little bit more damage output and more situational damage, which I thought was really cool. And then it's just kind of taken off from there as we kind of figured our characters out more too. Yeah, it's been good. And, and we've said this before, but it, I th it's been some of the most fun that we've had mm -hmm. playing together. Um, and uh, so that's our fourth stronghold, which means that we get to go to the vault next. Yes. Bring it. Oh, so excited. And Can't we will kill us all. Yeah. Yeah, and the damble will kill us all. Yeah, we get that on the calendar for next Tuesday, so hopefully mm -hmm. we survive. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll keep you posted. Cool. Um, anybody working on anything else? That's it for me, cowboy. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, well, with that, we'll uh, we'll take a break here, and uh, we'll jump on that road to Nova. Welcome back. We are going to start the segment of Road to Nova as we fast approach our wonderful event here coming uh, late summer, early fall. Uh, we have some content this week as some of our members have finally decided what they're taking to one of the events in Nova, and that would be Trace and Jared. You guys are playing in the Age of Sigmar doubles event, and I, I hear that you guys figured out what army you're actually taking to that event trace what would you guys finally decide on uh we decided to try out some of the new blades of corn stuff um one because it's a little bit of a cost savings for us because i have on a lot of the models to begin with and two um generally when you're planning an army for nova it's good to do something that's a little bit more current um because the points changes always change right before Nova, so the new General's Handbook will always come out probably like a month and a half before the event goes. So 
we figured to try and like prevent us from having to like scramble and make list changes, pretty drastic list changes. Um, because when, you know, there's things that are always going to be abused in the other books that are going to be always price hiked in the, in the new general's handbook. So we decided to try and circumvent that a little bit and be able to plan a little bit more in advance and get stuff painted. So, um, we've been kind of just talking around some of the things and we talked about doing order, just generic order because Jared's starting his, um, his Stormcast Eternals army. Um, but we all, but I, I don't really own an order army. So I would have to like get a whole new order army and do all this other stuff. And then there's always the, op- the possibility of points being changed. Like I talked about before. So I said, you know, Jared, I've got all this stuff. It would require like minimal purchases for me to get everything lined up for us to be able to play. <clears throat> and he's like, Oh man, <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> I've always played. Well, I, you can't really say good guys, but you know, I've always played order. I've always played Imperial other than, you know, the Tyranid that I have for 40 K. So, um, I mean, and I play gray Knights in 40 K. That's like my, the, the faction that has my heart. So the idea of playing something chaos was a little unnerving, um, but to Trace's point, you know, if we were looking at playing even like Stormcast, you know, the sack orders are really strong that, right now, but there's there's almost no question uh, that those will probably go up in points. And then, you know, battalions change. Um, so just looking at, you know, from a, a an efficiency standpoint, like Trace was saying, as far as maybe having something solidified even after the General's Handbook drops, you know, going with a more recent book. And I think for me, uh, I haven't played a lot of Age of Sigmar, and there are, you know, four phases to the game, you know, well, five, I guess, really. You've got the hero phase, movement phase, magic phase, no, shooting phase. Hero phase, the hero phase includes. Phase is the magic phase. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, this is how little I've played it. So, so hero phase, which is all of your abilities and spells, and then the movement phase, and then the shooting phase, and then the combat phase. So... It being a relatively new game, the fewer of those phases that we are forced to be powerful in, I felt the better. And what better way to basically completely avoid magic and potentially shooting than to go corn? So, uh, so blades of corn is probably what we're going to run. Um, maybe sprinkling in some of the beasts of chaos out of that. Uh, but there's a battalion in the blades of corn book, right, Trace? That Which it does Beastmen? The the it's actually in the Beast of Chaos book. So okay. there's the Brass Despoilers uh, battalion. Um and it's got some cool stuff. It's a it requires one Doombull or Beast Lord and three to eight units from Gores, Bulgors, or Bestigors. Um you can't take Ungors in it because corn looks down on the weak. So can't have the weak little ungors running around in your battalion um and then you have the options to take like more tuscor chariots or um dragon ogres stuff like that and then i think that you can have up to two gorgons or cygors but there's some pretty cool like one of the best parts about playing in the, the nova doubles is that your army counts as like one faction so there's some cool synergies that you can kind of tap into that you don't really have access to otherwise. So like I could run or Jared could run 
the Beasts of Chaos part of the list and have still be able to take the Herdstone and still be able to do some of this other stuff, but they would still have the Corn keyword, which would trigger all the abilities from the Blades of Corn stuff. So there's some just really cool synergies you can do, like because the Herdstone has a growing aura of minus one to armor saves. And so it might be a little detrimental to us every now and then, but, I mean, when you're playing corn, you want to be a glass cannon to begin with. So the harder we can hit, the better. So, like, taking a Bloodthirster, for example, and being able to tack on an extra rend to his attacks is a really cool synergy that people may not expect, you know, so. Yeah, and so for anybody that isn't familiar with the way they run the doubles is it's two 1,000-point lists, and all of the... Um, requirements for a thousand point list. So you have to have a leader, you have to have two battle line, and then from there you're restricted. So you can only have up to two behemoths and up to four leaders. Um, and so, but you run two of those lists and you can put them together. And then the reason that we're looking at battalions is everything that's included in a battalion. So imagine like a, something like a formation from 40 K counts as a single drop. So you, you would, place all of the models in that battalion at once. And so like 40K, the fewer drops you have, the better chance you have of going first or getting to choose whether you go first or second. And then that's a whole other mechanic in Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the idea of a double turn because turn order is not set. So you roll off for initiative at the end of every battle round to determine who gets to choose when to go first. So if you opt to go second in battle round one, then you could win the roll off to go first in battle round two. So you get two turns back to back before your opponent can react. So there's a whole other like thing that we're having to think about as we kind of build lists. Cause we, you know, we could just throw a bunch of models on the table and just go and have fun. But you know, we've talked about before, if you're going to do a competitive event, why not try to pick something that's going to be competitive and build it in a competitive way? Wow. That all, I mean, that all sounds like a lot. It's uh, it's cool that you guys have kind of narrowed it down. Do you have the set list already picked out? Like you have all the have you procured all the plastic crack that is needed for this list? Um, <clears throat> I have most of the stuff. I might need to make like one or two little purchases. But um, Jared and I have talked about just a couple different things. One of the things we've been joking about is trying to run just as many bloodthirsters as possible. Um, just because they've they're just really strong units in the game. Um, and then anytime you want to have something be successful, like any, any, in any, even in 40 K or in age of Sigmar, like redundancy is just a big deal. So having, you know, Scarbrand and two other bloodthirsters with him would just be one really cool for us to play and get our blood tied up and be able to summon the units that we need to put on objectives or, um, like Jerry was talking about, maybe running the beast stuff and then having some big smashy stuff too, but um, running a lot of like Manitars and just trying to really capitalize on some of the unlikely synergies that we'll be able to access. Um, you know, lots of rend and being able to buff attacks with the corn keyword. So taking stuff like Wrathmongers to buff like units within, I think it's eight inches, units within any, within eight inches. Um, to give them an extra attack. Um, so when you get Minotaurs with damage three weapons up to like three and four attacks, the potential damage there just gets really crazy. Um, so that's something that we've been talking about doing. 
Um, and then also there's the whole other element that I'm not really familiar with, which is the prayers aspect. So like all the new prayers, the new judgments and stuff, the endless spells that Corn gets that aren't endless spells. They can't be dispelled. They make enemy wizards life hell. <laughs> um, so that and magic is just a really strong mechanic in the game. And so being able to essentially turn that off is a really cool ability that we'll be able to bring to the table. So, but, wow. yeah. Sounds very thematic to what corn is. And, you know, I know at the shop the other day when we were trying to figure out that whole death maze that Danny talked about earlier, um, you ran off to make a quick purchase before the, the store closed. And it was some sort of, like cauldron throne what 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 was that that was the new blood altar so the blood altar in the game has a bubble of 16 inches because nothing in the corn army is not divisible by eight because it's corn numbers corn's number um so it's an aura of 16 inches and it it's a minus one to cast spells um and it also if one of the slaughter priests from the army is within eight inches wholly within eight inches of it he can re-roll his attempts to do the prayers the prayers of corn so like it could be a buff or it could be like a damage ability or it could be one of the new judgments so like it adds reliability to that mechanic and it also helps to debuff the um, opponent's army and the really cool part about it is it can be placed anywhere in your territory so like a lot of the missions you might have a deployment zone that's 12 inches deep, but your territory counts as like up to half of the of the battlefield a lot of the time. So like you can place that anywhere within that territory, and so you can get that debuff pretty far up the field. So like if there's a good place where there's a couple objectives that are kind of tied to each other, you can kind of lock that area down. So if somebody tries to come in and start casting spells on you, that's an aura that can really help to to shut that down and it synergizes really well with the slaughter with the um the blood secretor the banner guy from the original age of sigmar set um because he has a aura of 16 inches too that forces any spell casting in the bubble to be re-rolled so <clears throat> and then that affects your people too so like if you have an ally that's casting spells he has to re-roll it so that coupled with the minus one can really help to like bring down some of the synergies that other armies have based on magic. Wow. I, I think you guys kind of may have a little mechanic or synergy going your way. Cause as we saw last year, uh, magic is, is huge in the game and will be huge at the event. So I like, I like where your guys head is at. What, what are you worried about? So going into the event, like, are you worried about a certain list or a certain faction um, Jared, I don't know if you have any real opinions on this or not yet, but I mean, so I think the thing for me, and this is speaking from inexperience, but you know, I look at models like Archaon and Nagash, um, and their ability to just completely dominate the field if you don't have a good way of dealing with them. Um, I mean, Nagash's thing is that he can come in and be a powerhouse and wreck your face and simultaneously just bring tons of models to the table. Yep. Um, you know, and I, so I used to have, uh, 
you know, I used to have Seraphon and I don't have that army anymore, but I understand that the summoning mechanics behind them can be a little bananas. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you tool things up, you're looking at somebody summoning in a Bastilladon every turn. So now I have a giant semi-invulnerable laser shooting dinosaur in my face that like I have to deal with. Um, and I knew how hard those things hit having played one. And especially if we're demons, those things hit harder against demon chaos demons. So, I mean, that's going to be certainly be something that we're going to be have to look out for and, and, and think of ways to work around. The good thing is though, is that like some of the units that Jared just outlined is they're really super expensive. So like you have Nagash who's like 800 points. So like if somebody brings Nagash, they're bringing Nagash and like two battle line units and that's about it. Um, now he can summon a whole bunch more to the field, but it, it it's just that will just really come down to like how we deploy and stuff like that. Cause there's, there's certain things I do think that we would have issues against something big like Nagash. But when I went last year, I only saw one person who ran Nagash and that Nagash player, like they didn't make it close to the top table. Um, which, if I'm being 100% honest, Jared and I are kind of using this as kind of a mental exercise too. Like we're going to take something and kind of potentially skew one way and just see how well we can do. Like we're not going to um, to to build a completely optimized doubles list. We would both have to make purchases to do something. Um, and so we're just kind of going to have fun with it and see how well we can do with the best that we can come up with. Um, and some of the magic users, that's why I'm looking at some of the anti-magic stuff, because there's lots of ways that you can get up to, like, minus three to spell casting, which is a huge deal in in um, Age of Sigmar. Because even then, even with that, like, that brings Nagash down to, like, normal spell casting ability. Because um, he has, like, plus two or plus three to his casting rolls. Um, but, <clears throat> so some of the magic stuff is is worrisome. There's not as much shooting as there was in previous editions because the way that terrain changed. So terrain blocks line of sight. It seems like forests, you can't see through forests if you're shooting, um, which is a big deal because like armies like Caradron Overlords, which had a lot of really powerful shooting, are no longer as big of a threat because you can kind of like box them out and kill line of sight with them. Um, but you also have other new things that are kind of new kids on the block that are popular choices like a bunch of the crossbow stormcasts that can just drop down out of the backfield and shoot something off the board. Um, so there's, there's, there is worries there, but I think as long as we deploy as smart as we can, we'll be able to answer a lot of those problems that we that we'll face. Well, the plan sounds good, and I know you're both capable generals. And I, for one, am really excited to see the Beast of Chaos actually painted and on the table, because although I no longer have an army for Age of Sigmar, um, that army is still near and dear to my heart. Um, They are beautiful models, and the Doom Bowl will live forever. Um, The last question I have is, so... It seems like you have a lot of work ahead of you with it being a new, newer army for you both. Um, yes, you have a lot of armies, but how are you going to break up 
the hobby the hobby goals like who's painting all this stuff how much is left to paint how are you guys going to accomplish that as a team well jared and i've kind of talked about it a little bit and i said you know um even though this is a lot of my stuff like will you help me paint and jared was like of course i'll help you paint yeah, um fully willing to do you know half half or, or more of the work you know depending on so what we're looking at painting and stuff because i know trace has got other stuff on his palette that he's trying to get through as well I, it's pressing well it it's not it's not as the black legion stuff is not is more of like that's a long that is a long-term goal not a short-term goal um because i kind of made a decision over the over the weekend to truly to truly try and use that army to help build my painting skills um so i'm just going to really take my time kind of like what danny's been doing with his army um, yep <laughs> It's a just, long process, my friend. But it's it's I one of my hobby goals for this year was to really try and learn try new techniques in earnest and try new stuff to become a better painter. And um you know, I I went through and looked at some of the stuff that I've been painting recently. I'm like, this just looks like more of the same. Like I'm not really progressing and so i'm i'm trying to force myself to do some new stuff but that being said that was a sidebar but um that being said jared and i really haven't like outlined what the plan is and we really can't outline what the plan is until we kind of see what we're doing um some of the things that i think would probably be easier for jared to do would be things that i know he's comfortable with doing like he's comfortable with plating he's comfortable with painting armor like he paints a lot of armored stuff. So like if we paint blood warriors, I would be like, Hey, we'll figure out a paint scheme. And like, if we want to do like, there's different tribes that are within the, um, the blades of corn book. So like there's the skull fiend tribe. The skull fiend tribe has some pretty cool armor that Jared's already kind of used to painting, which is like black and gold. But instead of highlighting with blues, it would be highlighting with reds. Like, because it's like a red trimmed black, um, which I think would be a cool, a cool paint scheme for us to use. And then I'm really comfortable with painting organic shapes because I use my airbrush a lot to do that stuff. So painting those models is probably easier for me than it would be for Jared because Jared actually has to pull out his airbrush and get all this other stuff ready. Um, so those are things that we haven't really discussed, but things that I've been thinking about in the back of my yeah. head as we've been designing lists like, how are we going to break this up? So that's an excellent question, um, Jason, because we don't we don't really have a set plan just yet. <clears throat> and um, like we'll come up with something like a cohesive basing scheme too that we like. Um, and one of the cool things that we can do at this event is potentially build a display board too to to present our stuff on because you get extra points for that. You get point the cool the cool part about this event is you get points for painted stuff you get points for display you get points for all this other stuff it's not factored into the competitive part but it's part of the whole experience which i think we should really try and do um but you know those are those are some of the things that we've not really talked about but we will be talking about once we kind of iron out what we want to do are you guys planning sorry no go ahead so are you guys planning on play testing you just going to theory hammer beforehand we have some soft goals jared pitch some soft goals at me you want to talk about those yeah so i think the the you know the first the first plan is going to be to get the list as best as we can 
Um, and we want to do that by the end of April. So that'll, I mean, we're recording now on the 31st of March. So we kind of given ourselves a month to, to nail down a list. Um, Get it built at least. Yeah. And then, um, and then from there, playtesting, you know, it might be us self-piloting against each other, throwing, you know, proxying different lists with the models that we have for things. Um, you know, maybe even reaching out to the local communities to say, hey, like we've got a, a 2,000 point list that we'd like to run against, you know, whatever, you know, bring the hardest list you can and kick our faces in, like, um, you know, and doing that, you know, try, I mean, it, it'll probably eat into our uh, bi-weekly gaming time, but um, we've talked about switching games up and not doing the same thing every time. Yeah, no, that that's great. I mean, Dan, Danny and I can then get our 40K on. Yeah, which is <laughs> desperately needed. Well, awesome. Uh, you know, we look forward to, to seeing the progress on this road to Nova uh, as you guys approach the Age of Sigmar doubles event. Uh, really looking forward to seeing you guys play over the next month. Uh, you know, although I don't play Age of Sigmar, I definitely like the system. So it'd be great to see you guys have some models on the table, rolling some dice at our bi league we uh, play events. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited for you guys. Uh, I am a little disappointed that Jared's playing a non-order or loyalist faction, but you know, the, his dice will turn on him when he needs them the most in his 40k games now so see i think the thing that i'm afraid of is that my dice aren't going to turn and that i'll like be totally steal the lure of chaos that's my fear well awesome guys thanks for sharing and uh we're going to take a quick break and be back with a recap of adepticon's gw preview event Welcome back. Uh, in this segment, we're going to go over the Adepticon preview event for GW. Uh, some wonderful, wonderful news coming out of this event, just as GW always does the, na- the night before these large tournaments uh, and events. They love to drop the little goodies with all the spoilers of what's coming out in the next few months. Uh, and they did not disappoint this time, although... Adepticon's preview event felt like a smattering of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. There was a lot of content there. There was one little jewel that I think, like a diamond in the rough, that I think a lot of people glazed over that I'm excited to talk about. And that was a little paragraph that said, the future of 40K, question mark. And, you know, they mentioned with Vigilus and Vigilus Ablaze, kind of these settings that are sandbox to play in uh, expanding going into the summer uh, in the winter. And I would just like to get your thoughts on that, Danny, because it really, really intrigued me. Like, what do you think the future of 40 K is? Well, I think we're definitely looking at some of more of these campaign books for sure, which is really exciting. Like you said, it does create these kind of like mini settings for us to play in. Like we all know what's going on in the, the greater 40k universe right now and all these little books like this vigilist series have been fantastic because uh in my opinion i think they're much better than the old like seventh edition Warzone books because it, it fleshes out a whole um kind of setting and story but gives you enough characters and enough factions that 
basically anybody can play in them. So what I would really love to see is is make these campaign books and make them really divergent, make them really different from one another so that, you know, if you're not really into fighting on a forge world, then you don't have to do the Vigilance of Blaze. You could do some other campaign where it's, you know, fighting on an ice planet or fighting on a desert planet or who knows what, on a space station. Like, I think that would be really exciting. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, to your point, the, the last campaign books in the last few editions feel very like on rails, like railroad type yeah. campaign. These really give us the, the tool sets we need. So we've seen that they're with these, they're dropping new models. Like, I mean, whole new chaos line, uh, chaos space Marine line, a uh, couple characters for your space Marines. So I know that you're a boy not just, in blue. Not just a couple characters. <laughs> the main man, Marnius Calgar. All right, let's I, show some. I think you mean. For it to do. I think you mean Primarius Calgar. A uh, pimp daddy, Primarius, with the old old gloves still, still rocking the OG gloves. Yeah, just wait until you read a blaze. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter. It's still my boy. <laughs> so, but what what would you be most excited if, like, if we're wish listing here, the next campaign book is you know set in planet one two three four featuring 15 forces but here's these new updated models what do you think the most important model is to update out of the 40k line uh i'm gonna throw a real big curveball and i'm not gonna say it's the most important model but it's one that i would be really really excited to see and that would be an updated uh vect from the the drukari forces because right now the drukari are without really any interesting named characters any real compelling lore any like they feel pretty rudderless right now in the 40k setting uh and i would love to see astrobile vect on his big flying ship with his maybe not so late 90s slave chicks <laughs> but like i would love to see that model redone when you see what they did with a bad and like vect would just you know he's gonna be a badass miniature if they make him wow you did. You threw me from there. I had never thought that you would have said a filthy Xenos, but I I would agree that model is it's missing. We miss you. Um, and he's and I, not in the book either, so it would be perfect for a campaign book because they could just write a whole new stat data sheet for him, and it wouldn't contradict anything they've already produced. Oh, that'd be amazing that they're ready to do that. Like they just introduced a whole brand new model for the chaos space marines that lord discordant like that's brand new it's not been in anything so yep wow and the master possession all that stuff yeah and it kind of goes with slanesh eldar yeah. you may be onto something here i would love to see it happen i mean i thought if you look at all of the eighth edition stuff that has come out more or less each book came out with something like a, i think you know Dark Angels and, and Space Wolves guys might have a bone to pick with me, but I think the Drukari book was maybe one of the most disappointing because nothing really changed in that book very much, and they didn't come out with any new miniatures. And so they're they're due, in my opinion. Except they got the most pot potent stratagem that the scene had seen up to that point, right? Yeah, like, but then it was completely overwritten within three weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's such an important question to me in these wonderful what's GW going to do with 40K Trace, what model would you like to see updated in the next campaign setting? Angron. <laughs> Go back to chaos. All right, that one's simple. 
And it would make sense <laughs> to flesh out yet another Legion. Jared? No, uh, that was I was really joking. Um, I'd like to see them do something. I'd like to see a new Grimaldus, actually. Chaplain Grimaldus. Uh, That'd be cool. The, the uh, Templars. Yeah, I think that the Templars are... I think the Templars have some play. And I just think having something that would be updating them... I know it's weird for me to be saying some filthy loyalist, but um, I just have always really liked the lore of the Black Templars, and I think they're in kind of not the greatest spot right now. Yeah, they're another rudderless faction for sure. Yeah, so I think that they could be they could be brought kind of up to speed and do some really cool stuff with um, with some new models. I think that they would be a really cool candidate for that. So yeah, that's my real answer. I was joking about Angron. (laughs) Well. Yeah. Angron wouldn't be that far off for you, so I wouldn't be mad, <laughs> but Angron would be. Oh, jeez! Um, the, the nails really bite. Bad. I'm sorry. The nails yeah. bite. Where um, where are the Black Templars in the universe? Does anyone know? I because I do not. I think the answer to that question is yes, because <laughs> they yeah, have their little the campaign fleets of. everywhere. Yeah, I can think of, like, at the end of Gathering Storm, they had that group that was traveling with with uh, Gilman and all of that and the Eldar. But other than that, I haven't seen them pop up anywhere in the lore. Oh, cool. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Jared, to you, what model with a campaign update would you like to see? Updated? So um, so it's, it's actually a list of models, and it's probably not going to be... Um, uh, it's it's one that has been clamored for um, by the greater 40k community for quite some time, and and I would love to see updated Phoenix Lords and Aspect Warriors. Yes, yes. Uh, boo. Yeah, Danny <laughs> says boo. That's yeah, all um, Eldar need is more stuff. Yeah. Well, I was just updated stuff. There, there <laughs> changes. I'm not asking for change sheets or anything, but you know, mm. I think that's like the last real line of heavy fine cast. Um, and it, and it, by it, that it, he means Primaris Grey Knights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is exactly. Yep, yep. So when I say Phoenix Swords and Aspect Warriors, what I really mean is Primaris Grey Knights. Well, I would, I if I had my choice to, after just selling an Eldar army, and it would pain me, but I think that Aspect Warriors in plastic would would make me buy a new army. So I will agree with you. So, well, fantastic. I'm excited to see where 40k takes us uh, now that chaos is you know, been resurgent and the dominant um, adversary that they once were. Um, I, you know, I'm excited to see where the Xenos factions fit into all of this and where, where we go. Yeah. And I would just like to say this, like my greatest wish list about the 40 K lore is, and it seems like they're kind of going this direction and I hope they really follow through is I would like to see it get back to pretty much everybody hating everybody. Like, for a long time, we've had a lot of, like, oh, well, we work with this Xenos group when it fits us, and we work with this Xenos, and then we're buddies, and now all the Eldar groups all work together, and it's like, nah, let's get each faction a reason to fight every other faction, and I think it makes the game richer for it. I agree. Yeah. So, another nugget of of excitement around, well, I guess you could say excitement, for the preview event on 40k was the re-release and update of Apocalypse. So, you know, there was some things in there, like they were releasing a whole new box. There's some movement trays coming. Ooh. Um, but I would really like to get your thoughts, Jared, around, like, 
what do you, are you excited about this release? Like, what are your thoughts? So I've always had reservations about playing apocalypse games. Um, and that's mostly because, um, you know, as I've grown as a gamer, I find myself with less and less time to play. And so I want the time that I do have to play to be like fun and like an enriching and a valuable experience for me. And, um, just sitting, you know, through 10, 20, 40,000 points worth of models. Um, it just, it, it doesn't, suit me um and i feel like it's because the game the rules themselves don't scale um to that level and so looking at i mean this is purely just conjecture based on the teasers that they've given us but you know once you start involving movement trays and they said saying things like it would be on the actions of formations and not units um you know because i feel like 40k is pretty granular you know, this model does this, this model does that. You can split fire now. So you've got two last cannons and two heavy bolters in the same squad. So these two last cannons are going to shoot the tank. These two heavy bolters are going to shoot the squad. And then now you've got, you know, two different dice rolls that you have to make and then wound rolls and all of that stuff. So if they can streamline things in such a way that you can say, well, this entire formation of, you know, intercessors, they're all going to shoot their bolt rifles at this thing. And, you know, and I don't have to roll like 80 dice to make... 40 model shoot that there's a, a way to streamline that so that you can make something work better. I know that in other games that do large scale things, they have like a rolling thing where you roll like a D 12. And so if you roll like a three, then that means that six of them hit and you roll a, a four, that means eight hit or something like that. So you can kind of streamline. Um, so that would be my hope for that. And I, I think for me personally, that would be kind of the only way that I would want to get like really, really jump into like an apocalypse sized game. Um, but it, it, to me, it looks like they're going to move in that direction. So, um, and you know, I played Warhammer fantasy battle, so movement trays are the best thing. Like, <laughs> I think it's the only way to play a miniatures war game. If, yeah. <laughs> you know what I think, what I thought when I saw this is it, it looks to me again, the same thing, just going off of like really bare minimum teasers, but it feels like off of what they said and the images that this is going to play in my mind probably a lot the way a lot like the way Epic played, only it's going to have full scale miniatures. Yeah. Like I think this is Epic and they're just not gonna make new miniatures. Well, that's a good point, yeah. And now I'm gonna go cry. Because <laughs> I that's really my, want Epic to I come back. You you had a comment in our, our text the other day which really resonated with me, Danny, and kinda had me concerned, but when they talked about formations you know, the, the having the formations in the game, making me buy units that I don't normally have. Now I have huge collections, so it doesn't normally impact me. Um, but going back to that seventh ed formations, which are really cool from a fluff, like fiction standpoint or nonfiction standpoint or fiction, no fiction. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Uh, we'll there eventually. <laughs> um, that, you know, I'm worried that I'm going to have to buy some stuff that I don't wouldn't normally need, like fleshing out units and stuff. So that resonated with me because I was kind of excited, like Jared, like if they do it right, like I want to see, you know, huge robots and and shadow swords, streams, shadow this, shadow that, <laughs> whatever it may be, uh, with a huge gun shooting across the table. I do want to play that and I do want to see that, but I'm worried that that I'll have to field. I don't know something strange to get it so yeah i mean i'm not like i kind of was one of the few people that enjoyed formations at the end of seventh edition because it, i i 
I personally, when I played the Space Marines, I thought those formations were actually compelling ways to force Space Marines players to play Space Marines properly, more or less. But other ones were not so much. And I totally think the the motivation behind it is not necessarily towards good gaming or towards good balance or anything like that. I think the majority of that motivation is to sell product, which is fine. They're a company. I'm not bashing them for that. you got to make your bottom line. But like you think about some of those things like uh, that first Necron formation that came out, like the, the the first one, and everybody had to buy those little skimmers because nobody the had them. Yeah, the Decurion detachment. Like nobody had those skimmers, but all of a sudden everybody and their brother bought like 12 skimmers. I don't think that was an accident. <laughs> no, definitely was not an accident. And, but we'll see. And, uh, you know, I would love to spend a Saturday blowing stuff up on a huge, you know, huge board and huge scale because I'd like to get some lore awards on the table. Um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, it can't be not fun. Yes. So the the last thing that, that we're going to talk about in this segment from the preview event is a little game that I think at least two of us are excited about. And I'm so excited. <laughs> I am, uh, I am lukewarm on it. Uh, but that is a little game called war cry. Um, you, you guys can't see it, but trace is literally dancing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll pitch it over to trace trace. Tell us what war cry is or what we know about it and why you're excited about it. So Warcry is going to be a um, it's a skirmish game that is based in the Age of Sigmar universe that takes place in the All Points, which is in the lore. The All Points is the section of interdimensional connectivity, essentially. So it's where all the realms can like if you go through one realm gate into the all points, you can go out another realm gate into a different realm. So like you might go in through the realm of light. And then leave and go into the realm of life. Um, <clears throat> currently, most of the gates are held by my man, Archaon. So, like, there's certain ones that are controlled by some of the other factions. But in this, these warbands are fighting for, like, favor, essentially. So the way that they've pitched it, the game at its core um, will have... I think it's like six, Jared. Is it six Chaos Warbands? Um, th- yeah, looks like six. Um, so six Chaos Warbands, and they're all vying for like favor to ascend to whatever you know. Typical Chaos mantra: you're you're trying to ascend into the pantheon for whatever reason. Um, but some, but what we found out this past weekend or this past week was that they're also going to release six other or nine. Or nine nine other factions that are non-chaos related that will allow everybody to kind of participate in this which really got jared jazzed because i'm always going to really gravitate towards the chaos stuff anyway because that's just kind of how i am but what we really hope is that kind of brings back some of the Mordheim elements please from, from back in the day um because it's kind of been pitched as kind of a a kill team adjacent game um so those who are familiar with the kill team system like you build a warband you build a you build a roster based on 20 models and then from in each game you get to pick those models that you're going to play 
So very similar mechanic that was in Warband or it was in uh, Mortime, but you had to like pay a certain currency to get those things. So like points equal currency, blah, blah, blah. But there was a real cool element of growth and campaign ability, which was what really made, I know I fell in love with Mortime because of that. And I know Jared fell in love with Mortime yeah. because of that. So we're looking for a really cool way to play narrative skirmish. Um, which is not really present in Kill Team right now. Um, there's some really strong elements for narrative in um, in um, Necromunda, but Necromunda is not something that we're really into. Um, I know that the independent characters, I'm going to do a little plug, but I know the independent characters did a really long show on like the Necromunda stuff and how they really fell in love with the campaign setting for that. So if you guys are interested in that stuff, you can go and check that out. But... Um, for us, the 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 more time element that's potentially there, and then just the models are just gorgeous to begin with. So I I have no doubt that the new warbands that they're going to release will have the same level of detail that the ones that they've already kind of previewed. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, the idea that I would be able to build a warband around like a specific leader and and watch that leader grow and watch his minions die or grow or whatever is. I mean that's I mean that's a hundred percent what I want. So back in the day with more time, I played um, vampire counts, and so I had my vampire. And vampires started out pretty strong, but it was it did not take long for them to basically become unkillable. So um, the way that the campaign ended up was, you know, I had my vampire, and he would like run around and just wreck everyone. Like he took down rat ogres and croxagors, and uh, you know he would take down like three dwarf thunderers. Um, and then like all of his like zombies and skeletons and direwolves, like he even had like mortal minions and like, they just were constantly dying, but it didn't matter because he was just so like rack face crazy. Um, but then, you know, and then on the other hand, like I had, you know, some of the guys that I was playing with back then, they, you know, they would have their war band of humans and like, so you would have these like same three scrappy fighters that would manage to scrape by every battle. And then all of their friends die every time. But by the time the campaign was over, these three scrappy fighters like had renown and like they had specialized skills. So like they could shoot into cover without penalty and, you know, they could fight and basically, you know, they could forego their attacks, but basically you would never land a hit. And so you would end up with these cool stalemates and you would get these cool like stories that would pop out of these events, you know, like suddenly my vampire is like the big bad. So we would do multiplayer games, but then it would end up being like three on one because there was an unwritten bounty on my vampire's head. So, <laughs> you know, anything that can drive like an internal story um, is, is what I'm going to be diving after. Wow. So it sounds like we're hoping that war cry is narrative based. Yeah. Um, well, I think at least that it has a strong narrative element. I think that they're always going to kind of pitch a matched play kind of way to play now. Um, but Based on some of the pictures that we've seen and the video that they've released about Warcry, it looks very more time. Yeah. There's multiple yeah. levels of of combat, like you can climb and you scale, which are things that you could do in more time. And yeah. like you could fail, like you could fall off of a wall and hurt yourself. Um, so there was just there's a lot of really cool environmental parts of the game that I think I really hope are reintroduced to the skirmish stuff because like i've we've played a little bit of like warhammer skirmish in the past and um you know it's fun it's quick 
but it doesn't have a whole lot of depth. And yeah. so I'm hoping that they bring back some of the depth and some of the, the narrative elements to this. So, so real quick, the models that were posted in the preview, and I know that they had the, was the iron golems. Yes. The, mm-hmm. Those are new. Like we haven't seen that faction before, right? Nope. No, all brand new. Okay. All so new. what are the, the demon looking things or the vulture looking thing? What is that? So, so there's a, there's a fury, which is a, a chaos model that has needed a new sculpt for a while. Yep. Um, so anybody that plays chaos, and they're that's forty. You can use those in forty k. So you can use yeah. them in either system. Forty k. They're actually Sigmar. pretty decent in both systems because they can take marks, and so you can buff them up with certain things. But yeah, they're you should they're tap your cool. keywords and stuff like that. And then the, yep. the Raptorix is a new word, a, a new a new model. So it's yeah. it looks like a flesh bird as opposed to a flesh hound. So it's got the same. I'm, I was going to motion with my hands, which makes for great radio. Um, it's got the same like neck frill as a flesh hound, but it's clearly like an avian creature. So it's got wings instead of arms and like taloned feet and stuff. So, wow, that's awesome. And the the symbols that were shown on the the wallpaper image, do we know any of those factions? Like, do we have a guess? Like, are my are my Godsworn Hunt going to be? part of this your god's horn hunt are going to be completely in the middle of it <laughs> yes um so the second faction that they've previewed in the old preview was basically the same type of sculpts that are in that are the god's horn hunt the more barbarian kind of looking um one of the cool things i was actually going to bring this up so i'm glad you said that jason but um one of the models for that warband it looks like he he's like a beastmaster. And he has like a. It looks like he has a baby manacore as his pet. So oh, like, cool. like a fledgling manacore that mm-hmm. he's used that he's like basically rearing to be part of the warband later. So, um, like part of the larger like Warhammer warband. Um, but I just thought that was really cool. And then, um, so they're the opposite factions. So you have these iron golem guys, and then you have the barbarians that, that are going to be the other faction in the starter set. I'm pretty sure. Um, but the furies are definitely they've needed updating for a long time. Like those models have been um, around since probably two thousand something like that. That um, doesn't seem that old. Well, it's been <laughs> almost 20 years, bud. Um, so, but like Jared said, I think this is just a really cool opportunity. And I know I know for sure that um, there's going to be some orcs in here. It looks like we have two orc factions for sure based on the images that they released in the preview. Moon Clan's going to be in there. Daughters of Cain, Ideneth Deepkin, I think are going to be ones that you can use. And then Stormcast, obviously, are going to have something because they're Stormcast and they're the poster boys of right. Sigmar. And then... It looks like maybe f- Legions of Nagash. So there's like a skull that's got flames coming off of yep. it, which is reminiscent of Legions of Nagash. And then there's this the vampire... I would call it Vampire Counts if this were Warhammer Fantasy, but it's now the symbol that's on the shields for all of the um, Death Rattle. So the the vampire skull with the wings coming off of it, um, which is prominently featured in all of the Death Rattle stuff. So probably like whites and skeletons and stuff like that. It could also be Flesh Eater Quartz too, um, because Flesh Eater Quartz just got their new book, and that would be a cool opportunity for them to introduce some new models to that range because that range yeah. is pretty limited. Um, 
you know, dual the the dual kits make two or three different entries in the book. So um, that could be a new opportunity for them them to add some new stuff there too. Yeah, well, cool. A lot of content. Um, once again, glad you guys are really excited about this. I am uh, Warcry curious. Uh, if I can get my Godsword <laughs> Hunt in there. <laughs> uh, right. So, no escape um, and no party for me. No, no escape and party no, for you. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe in the third yeah. third edition. Yeah. My um, hope is is that since they're using these symbols, and I've kind of speculated on this for a little while, but my hope is that they because they're using these symbols, these faction symbols, that another game that has symbols in it that we you play currently are is underworlds so like yeah there's there's a very strong crossover there i could totally see them saying hey like you can play your skaven warband in and um war cry now these are the rules for those guys and they make it like a free pdf for you to use and now they have marketability for this other line that people may not like want to play underworlds but they want to play war cry but they like the Skaven, so they can buy the Skaven and play it in Warcry. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So I think there's some interesting marketing opportunities for them there too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And then before we close out, the one thing it's going to go unsaid if we don't say it. So like Slanesh, oh my gosh, that stupid yeah. the, the, the Keeper of Secrets is just a like unbelievably gorgeous model that makes me uncomfortable every time I look at it, which is probably exactly what they were going for. Yeah, it is. It is an amazing, amazing model. And, and he, he slash she is huge. So yeah. there's, there's pictures floating around Models on the internet. Massive. We'll try to find a link to it. If we can't just get on Facebook, it's taller than a great unclean one, taller than uh, Scarbrand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Now, all of those models are really awesome. The Herald is my favorite. That thing is, Killer. That new Herald is incredible. Like I didn't realize how big it was until I like really looked at the picture because it looks just like a normal infantry yeah. until you really look at it. And then you realize that he's got a demonette basically pole dancing on his trophy banner on the back. I love what they've done with this line. Like I know it was a bit of a problem line for them and they had to kind of go back and, and, rethink it and i'm glad that they didn't bin it and i'm glad that what they did with it really keeps a lot of the mm-hmm. old soul but mm-hmm. makes it what they want it to be and makes it a little more yeah. kid friendly and everything yeah and just just for clarity trace that's actually a demon prince with a herald on top oh i know i know yeah, yeah. i know yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah, they it's all gorgeous they all look beautiful and i'm not a chaos fan normally we get into the chaos demon aesthetic and i'm like blah but these models really look cool. And the fact that the flesh harp is out there too, it's like, hmm, <laughs> these are some cool things. Um, well, great. So we are running a little bit long, but uh, I had something that I wanted to bring up that is not in the show notes. So what the listeners are going to get are genuine reactions. Because I really, really enjoyed the uh, 50... Uh, sleeves or shelves of gray, fifty shelves of gray. <laughs> oh, so good. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's like they came into my house and filmed my 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 room of gray. So I want to see what everyone's thought is of this new product that they're going to make us just get through our backlog of models that are sitting around. Um, so Jared. You can start with what do you think it is? So I, I think my initial thought w- was going to be 
it's going to be an airbrush. So they're going to release a GW branded airbrush. And they did that, I don't know, like six years ago with yeah, like the CO2 was... cartridge yeah. sprayer or whatever. Um, so that's kind of my initial thought. Um, and I'll leave it at that. And then I have another thought that I can bring back in if it doesn't get brought up. But I, sure. I, I think going with my gut, I think we're going to see some sort of, you know, like airbrushing. Well, all right. So airbrush. So that'll lead me to the person of the group that absolutely hates airbrushes. <laughs> Danny, what, yeah. what do you think it's going to be? Uh, I don't think it's an airbrush. Uh, I think it is going to be something similar to uh, what the company Army Painter makes, which is kind of like a three-step kits. So it's like, if you want to paint something yellow, here is your base, your wash, and your highlight. And they make like these really... Uh, uh, I can't think of the term. Like They make these really kind of washes that basically... It's not like when you put a GW wash on something. When you put a GW wash on something, it darkens the whole thing and you get shade. They make these washes that literally this pigment just sits in the crevices and, and the way that the paint and the wash interacts, it you don't have to repaint your base color. And so I think it's just going to be a really simple kind of like bang, bang, one, two, three, step, buy this one box, you're in, you're out kind of dealio. Mm, interesting twist. Because it already hybrids then like from there, then you can just pick up one pot of something else if you want to take another step further and you're done. Awesome. I will... We shall see. That leaves us with one. Trace, what are your thoughts? So I had a couple of thoughts on this over the past week. Um, one is, and this is not related, related to painting, which is why I don't know that it will work, but they've already done some stuff with colored plastic. So potentially we're starting to produce like all army factions in a colored plastic, which probably not the most accurate idea um but what i'm thinking is potentially um and i know this is probably not going to happen either but a potential like pre-painted mini stuff yes 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 please please Um, i don't know that that will happen just because of the nature of the way that the kids are designed And that's Um, not like GW's kind of MO. They want you to paint. No, they do because it's a whole other product line that they can sell. However, I could totally see them being like, for this extra fee, we will assemble and basic paint your army or basic paint this unit for you. Like it would be astronomical. (laughs) They would have to also have a huge infrastructure in place for that. A ton of people that they already hired that, that seems like a really improbable jump. Probably, but it's just—is this speculation, Danny? I'm I'm just speculating right back at you. Um, I don't think that that's very likely, but um, just based on the pitch and the way that they presented it, like I'm not throwing it out as a completely unlikely scenario either. Um, but those are my two guesses. They're gonna potentially like you're gonna you may have an option. So my going back to the colored plastic part, you may potentially have an option to select a color of plastic when you go to check out for your stuff. Mm. So like say that I want black plastic, I could order black chaos space Marines or red chaos space Marines or green chaos space Marines. Um, I don't know. 
That's just uh, those that, are my speculations. Yeah, that would be. I had, I had another one that I thought of that I forgot to say too is I I think we could also be looking at a uh, a new line of spray paints, like an expanded line of the can yeah, spray paints, probably. Um, because I know that that well, the, the thing that I will have a complaint about about the GW spray paints is that they're just so freaking expensive. They are. They're great um, cans, but super expensive. Yeah, they're Hey-o. and they're not. They're not. <laughs> I think they may be doing exactly what you're talking about, Danny, just to kind of align themselves with some of their one of their stronger competitors, which is Army Painter, because Army Painter has all these different options for you to paint your army with, mm-hmm. um, in the form and of systems like built yeah. systems. Like yeah. GW has a quote unquote system, but it's not. It's just a bunch of different paints that Correct. they have in different shades. Like if they can systemize it, they'll make money. Yeah, I think, and even taking notes from Reaper too, because Reaper has like that a triad system that they use. So like, you can go to the Reap, any Reaper paint booth or like paint rack, and it'll tell you like if you want to make this color, you needed this color and this color to make your shade and your highlight. So like, you start with this one, and then you go to this, and then you go to this. So GW doesn't really have a very defined process for that. It's outside of like their paint app. Yep. So, like, they have their paint app, which is actually really useful. I know a lot of people who use that app to great effect. Uh, I use it. That's what I. That's how I started on the uh, the my Stormcast. Yeah, awesome. I mean, if you same here. What if I you do paint, paint, if you're painting a brand new army and you have no idea what colors you may need to get kind of close to what they have on the box art, like that's a great place to start. Um, and that's something that I talked about. I've thought about maybe doing with Jared for like the Beast of Chaos stuff for. Um, for the double stuff like if we run beast of chaos like we'll pick one of those things and that way we have a uniform way that we could paint stuff so like if i send him 10 gores he can paint 10 gores the same way i paint 10 gores Um, well yeah i mean definitely some great great thoughts through that i'm jared did we did we cover your second yeah danny 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 got it his good first guest was my second so good i you know i (laughs) I really hope that it is an airbrush only because I would love to see Duncan tutorials via airbrushing, uh, being a novice airbrusher myself. So having the, the community team put out that type of content would be extremely beneficial to me. Um, but I think what it's going to be, uh, and it is a bit of a launch shot, but you know, dust warfare, dust tactics, when they had their line, they had pre-primed miniatures so there was already the like the base coat on them, um, and I think that that's what we're we're gonna be looking at is something that is not gray. It is pre-primed, kind of combining what Trace was saying with the plastic, where they have the same sprue, but they go through this like industrial base coat where mm-hmm. you get them and you just slap on all the highlights. So yeah, I can see mm-hmm. that too. Um, it definitely a cool cool thing. Loved the video. As always, they're poking fun. So, But with that, uh, we're going to take a quick break. But don't worry, I know we're skipping a few things from the GW preview, mainly those two new factions that are coming for Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, don't worry, we'll be back on a, another episode here in a few weeks to cover those new factions in depth. So with that, see you in a few minutes. And we're back. Um, so that's the show for this uh, for this episode, episode four, Warcry Curious. 
Um, I want to just say thanks to everybody that's listening. Um, if you want to see pictures of what we're doing, you can find us on Facebook. We're Battle Mallet Podcast. So facebook.com slash Battle Mallet Podcast. Find us on there. We're Battle Mallet PCast because somehow Battle Mallet Podcast was already taken. Don't ask me how. So on Instagram, we're Battle Mallet PCast. Um, we try to put some pictures up there. Um, but if you like what we're doing, uh, you want to get our content out, uh, you want other people to hear about what we're doing and come alongside this journey with us, um, give us a review on Facebook. Uh, find us on iTunes and give us a review on iTunes. Uh, make sure whatever podcast app you're using, whether that's Podbean or iTunes or uh, some other app that you subscribe to the podcast. Um, and uh, if you don't like we're doing what we're doing, um, and everybody who listens must because we haven't gotten any feedback so far. But seriously, if you don't, if you think there's something that we could do better, or something that you would like to hear about, you know, something about what we're doing, the way that we game. Um, give us some feedback, you know, shoot us a message on Facebook, um, find us on Facebook, you know, comment on something on, on Instagram. Um, but just let us know. Cause you know, uh, we enjoy doing this, but you know, we want other people to enjoy it too. So, um, for the battle mallet podcast, we are three dads and a dude who is neither apocalypse nor war cry curious. <laughs> <laughs> I am game binary. Okay. Game binary. Oh, God. This is Jared signing out. And this is Danny. This is Trace. This is Jason Tabledoo Mary. I'm out of the doghouse. And in the backyard, at least. Oops. <laughs>